and welcome to the Who's He podcast. On this show, we are pleased to bring you another interview from the Science of the Tunnels Convention, recorded in 2016 at the National Space Centre in Leicester. And this time, John Michael Lindsay interviews Doctor Who royalty, the wonderful Katie Manning. Now, as with the Peter Davison interview, this is an exclusive, as this recording has never been heard before. So sit back as John Michael welcomes Katie Manning to the stage. So, hello, sweetie. Hello, thank you very much for joining us. I'm going to have to drop the American accent, I'm afraid. I've I've just worked with this character. Um, I've just done a a Captain Jack um, big finish. And uh, not playing Joe, I hasten to add. It's the lives of Captain Jack, is that right? Is it? Yes. I don't know what I do, I just do it. But working with him was absolutely amazing. And I got these photographs, and I didn't realise what a big chap John Barrowman was. His hand is bigger than my head. You know, I look like a little Muppet that's growing out of his shoulder. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick chat to Katie and trawl through some of her past and talk about some of her present projects. And then we're going to open it up to you guys and we're going to do a Q&A so you can ask Katie questions about Doctor Who or anything you like. And hope that Katie can remember. (laughs) That's the important bit. Absolutely. And if I can't remember, I'll just make it up anyway. And why not? <laughs> so, your training. Now, what we're going to do, this is kind of true or false, because, as Katie says, a lot of the information on the internet is not actually true. No, I've never been married, even though I've got husbands. <laughs> and no, truly. And, uh, and, and what else? I've got, I've got twin boys. No, I haven't. Never, ever, ever go onto Wikipedia and believe what you read. <laughs> Lesson to be learned. Absolutely. It's all rubbish. Okay, so true or false, were you trained at the Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Art? Ding! True. Excellent. So you were in good company there as well because um, their alumni features people like Angela Lansbury, Donald Sindon, Eva Green, Hugh Bonneville, also from Doctor Who, Julian Fellows, Patrick McNee, Terence Stamp, yes, Stephen Burkhoff, and Nicola Bright, and of course, Nicholas Courtney. Exactly. And unfortunately, me. <laughs> so can you tell us about your time at the drama school? How did you find your way in? And, and was it something <laughs> Through you... the door, we did a little <laughs> tea because I'm so short-sighted. Uh, in fact, I was in the shop next door for about a year and a half. <laughs> um, I, well, I actually, I went there simply because I'd been to America. My family sort of live in America. And I was very young and I was recovering from... Um, a very serious car crash so I spent like a couple of years in hospital and um, I was in America and I was offered a five-year contract with MGM not because I was looking for work I mean I just had this car accident I didn't even know what I wanted to do and uh, Arthur Mayer from Metro Golden Mayer just happened to be at one of my sister's parties and he decided that they so they flew my parents over and uh, I was offered a five-year contract and my father said, well, if you do it, you, you might do no films, but you'll be contracted and you can't get out of it. And I thought, mm, no. So I went back to England um, 
and I had to have some more surgery. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to be an actress and I would audition for every drama school and the first one to take me got me and it was Weber Douglas. Fantastic. So that's how I ended up there. And how long were you there for? Um, I was there for virtually the full time but then I, I was taken out and uh, given a job. Wow. I know. So I think they, they probably wanted to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was your first performance, your first role after drama school? I did uh, a small part in Softly Softly. Yeah. And then I had a tiny role in Man at the Top, which was this groundbreaking new television series that was absolutely huge back in the day, written by John Brain. And I had four lives as a French au pair girl because I left school, like proper school at 12. But one of the things I could do was speak French. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was taken out of that tiny little part and um, I was given the juve lead within the first week. So wow. I was promoted. <laughs> and while I was doing that, that's when I went to audition for Doctor Who. Fantastic. And it was 1971 we first saw you I on the screen. I don't do years, darling. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know what year it is now. Not a problem. And why should you? <laughs> Terror of the Autons, your first story. Yes. And John, I was watching an interview with you last night, actually, and John, and John has so many fond memories of you. Because yeah. he was talking about you actually slipped and fell while you were filming in the quarry. And they said they might have to get a stunt double in and just replace you. And you got very upset. And John suddenly got all defensive and decided, nope, not going to happen. And basically, it was actually my first stayed. day. Because wow. I didn't actually audition for Doctor Who, I hasten to add. They had. Um, they held the auditions, but because I was doing another show, and Barry Letts kept saying, although they'd shortlisted it to three, and one of the women that was shortlisted was Shakira Kane, Michael Kane's wife. I mean, who is glorious? I mean, what were they thinking when they chose me? Um, I mean, she's a stunning-looking woman, and they were all gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous women. Um, but I didn't know anything about it, really. I watched Doctor Who, and when I went, turned up very late, because I got lost at the BBC, of course I got lost, and, um, <laughs> and when I got there, Richard Franklin always says, oh yes, well, I auditioned with you. I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> We're getting to that age now where they go, no, you didn't, dear. He goes, oh, I'm sure I didn't. No, you didn't. Um, and, um, but I actually did a, an improvisation because when they said, could you read the script? I'm so short-sighted, I literally did this. Um, and then, yes, we went into, I got it, which was amazing because Barry Letts kept saying, there's one more person that I really want to see. And John, when he saw who it was, he said, I saw her once at the BBC Centre and I said to you, I think I've seen who should be a new Doctor Who girl. So wow. it was all. And on the first day's filming, the stunt boys, because back in those days, we could do our own stunts, because, you know, if you fell over or you hurt yourself, never mind, we'll get another girl. And uh, <laughs> we'd literally, I was taught how to tuck roll out of a, a moving car. Um, and wow. so it does, we're not going very fast, but what it is so that you can get it all in one shot. So rather than you, you, you pick up the shot with me rolling over, you actually got the whole shot of me rolling out of the car. And uh, so I did this stunt. <laughs> and like the first time I did it, they said we have to go again. And I, I knew I'd hurt myself, but I wasn't going to tell anybody. <laughs> and then slowly, it was like 
my, my legs started to swell up, my boot was about to explode. And so I had to go to the hospital and one thing another and yes. So Christopher Doyley John came in and he said, Oh well never mind, we've only got a minute on film, we can recast. And I just you can imagine I'm, I'm sobbing helplessly. And um, you know and John got really cross and championed me and said, No, I don't think we should be telling her this. <laughs> Excellent. So you were with John for two years? finishing off in, I believe the story's called The Green Death, mm -hmm. where you met the man who you fell in love with in the series, but also became your fiancé, is that He right? was my fiancé before. Oh, wow. But we didn't know that Barry Letts had cast him in it. <laughs> and so John and I were both kind of very surprised. Yeah. Because he was told not to tell anybody. Yeah. And um, even though he was my actual fiancé, I didn't know he was going to be in it with me. But it was interesting because it gave just another little extra layer yeah. to the to the piece. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And John always said that he had a tear in his eye at the moment that you were leaving the show and it wasn't just the doctor being sad that you were No, 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 everybody did. Yeah. I mean, we were all absolutely... And what was so lovely about that end is you didn't need any words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just had um, the looks and, and the looks were so strong because we were... I know everybody sort of says this, but we really were an incredibly close team. And John and I did everything together. We had lunch every day, we traveled everywhere together. And we used to do voices together because John was like king of the voices. <laughs> and he discovered that I do voices because, you know, like when I was six, would you believe I could do Popeye? It's pretty scary. I do a damn good Dalek as well. Oh, um, go on, giving us an example. Well, what do you want, Popeye or, or Dalek? Both. Both? <laughs> okay, well, in the wind, in this ridiculous situation, I've never known you, but I have to show you, see, when you do a Dalek, it's a sound right, does it? Um, but what you have to do, oh, hello. I forgot I had my sunnies on, I thought it was dark here, isn't it? <laughs> um, you have to bend over, because you have to get that going. So you go, <laughs> right? If my children could see me now. Um, and then <laughs> Popeye is, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye. I know, it's scary, isn't it? That's brilliant. My parents were so frightened with the voices <laughs> that I used to do as a child. And now, um, of course, and so John encouraged me to do voices. I'm just doing the finish because I eat. Anyway, um, so, let's go. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, John encouraged me to do voices, and uh, now I actually play lots of people. I'm just about to do a new one-woman show where I have about 20 different voices, ranging from newborn babies crying to old African men and was, oh, yeah, I know it's this really is just spooky. you doing it just me doing it and you probably heard on quite a lot of Big Finish I do a lot of other mm. characters you know I was in yeah. Dracula and I was in um, Dorian Gray and also um, when I've done Joe and Iris together with John and the Brig yeah you know and, and uh, yeah I do a lot of people living in this little <laughs> And uh, my children used to say, Mommy, who are you going to be today? <laughs> and so John and I used to drive along to location and we would 
see all these different names of these different villages and we sort of you know you get these really wacky names and we'd start to create a whole story Wonderful. so by the time we got to where we were going we had all these different characters and we voiced them <laughs> i know nice <laughs> so following on from doctor who next true or false question did you then have a series of your own called Serendipity where you presented a show which was a guide to arts and crafts? Mm, well, it was called Serendipity, which okay. had nothing to do with the fact that we used the word Serendipity in The Green Death. This was purely, yep. you know, coincidental. Um, I, not only did I present it, darling, I did it. Wow. And I was at night, I was going up to the... Um, Edinburgh Festival and I was playing a 16 year old mass murderous girl guide called Rosie Macron and then during the day I was teaching people how to work with epoxy resin don't ask tie-dyeing semi-precious stones making jewelry wow and the one thing I have to say lovely though everybody was there's something about interviewing experts and they're all very, sort of, very slow. And so you take your precious stone and you rub it carefully between your... And so you have to make that... And it was, it was kind of... They used to give you a signal, which was the wind-up signal and the... But because I'm so short-sighted, I remember doing a show once and I was like... And I said, so thank you very much for joining us for Serendipity because I knew I had to get on the plane and fly up and be my 16-year-old mass murderous girl guy. And, um, and I said, so thank you. And the guy desperately on the floor, he's going... Nah, nah. So I said... And I suddenly realised, no, it wasn't over. Uh, so, well, before we go, <laughs> I, I had to, because all of this, would you believe, which they wouldn't do now, all of these half-hour shows about these subjects of which I knew nothing were improvised. Wow. You know, so it was, it was a very exciting yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> So another true or false, were you then shortly reunited with John Pertwee in a series called Who Done It? Yes, but you know I don't remember doing it. <laughs> I mean, Who Done It? I don't remember doing it. But apparently everybody says it, you can see it now. Yeah, um, I believe you But can. that was just a sort of a small thing. I went on to work for Douglas Canfield yeah. in Target with Patrick Mower. That's right. And Philip Hinchcliffe, I believe, was That's one of the right. Who wasn't happy about me playing uh, a drug addict because he said, What, Joe Grant? <laughs> well, they soon changed their minds when they saw my performance. Um, and then Douglas Canfield also. Um, put me in a role, a very groundbreaking role on television in an armchair theatre. But I'd never worked with him on Doctor Who. Wow. But he thought I made a good drug out of thanks. And he was, oh, nice. he made yes, right. I won't tell you what the other character was, because there's children here. Um, but let's put it this way, um, same-sex marriages? Okay. Anyway, anyway, so moving right along. Um, <laughs> So I did that, which was, was incredible. Then I did a film for um, that was written by Michael Pertwee. Okay. Yeah, with Leslie Phillips and yeah. George Gertrude Slider. And then a Hello Train! Aren't they wonderful? Do you know I remember these trains? That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, then I was going to go into theatre and Douglas Canfield said to me, I don't want you to go into theatre, I don't want you to go into theatre. And I said, why not? He said, lots of people shouting in long shot. So, <laughs> which is a very television 
statement. Um, so yeah, then I went um, into the West End for three years. Wow. Um, what was it in the West End? I did uh, Why Not Stay for Breakfast, which at that time was the biggest comedy role written for a woman. So I was cutting my teeth. And, and John always said I'd be good in comedy and in theatre, and I said, why? He said, because you've got a really funny face. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do. I have a, I do. I look like a Muppet. Oh. I do. My children always remind me of that. <laughs> so you've also, as you were saying earlier, you've returned to the role of Joe Grant before with Big Finish. But you also went back to it in TV. Um, and you played her with, in the Sarah Jane Adventures, working with another doctor, Matt Smith. Oh, lovely Matt. I mean, I was really lucky because I'd done the three doctors, so I'd worked with, um, with Patrick Troughton, um, and then, you know, worked with John and so on. And then um, when they asked, and also by then I'd done Iris Wild Time with, yeah. with Colin Baker. And Which was another Time Lord, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, Peter Davidson. Only she has a bar in the back of her bus, love it. Wow. And uh, she's outrageous, that one. I remember Peter Davidson when I was doing it, and he said, after a while, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm doing me Irish, I'm right there, come on, love it, come on, stir your stumps. And Peter Davidson turned around and looked at me and said, is she really playing it like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, so that was all, you know, sort of terrific. And then uh, I got a call. I'd just come back from Australia. I love you, Scotty. This is very spooky for me seeing this man. Radio this is a blur I know so well. Yeah, for doing the Q and Thank you. Do you wouldn't you. do that. Is that right? Asking the audience a question. Yeah, cool. So, just having a private conversation there. They're over <laughs> it now. Yeah, we're all right, love. You know, how much do you want for the tea, Chuck? And I hope you put a dash of gin in it. I've got to see you. That's enough. No, all right. <laughs> and he says walking away. <laughs> um, yes, it was amazing because I just come back from Australia and. Uh, I got. I was. I was actually dog sitting my god dogs, Binbag and Oscar, and um, it was a Sunday. And Gary Russell rang me and he said, "Hello, darling." I said, "Hello, sweetie." He said, "Don't tell anybody." I said, "What? Sorry, don't tell anybody what?" He said, "I can't tell you." <laughs> That's a good start. So I hear exactly. I looked at Binbag and Oscar. I said, "What?" It? And they went, "Nah." <laughs> anyway, so. The next day, he said to me, so call your agent tomorrow, Monday. So I called my agent on Monday, and I said, darling, um, I got a call from Gary Russell yesterday, and he said, don't tell anybody. And I said, so what, what? He said, I can't tell you. So I'm walking around, everybody's telling me not to tell anybody, but how can I tell anybody if I don't know what I can tell anybody? <laughs> and so, and anyway, the day after that, I'm looking for a theatre in the West End, I'm going to see a show, and I get a call, and it's, uh, it says, hello darling, it's Russell. Well, I swear, I, I, I wasn't thinking, you know, I just said, Russell who? Because I wasn't thinking, oh, Russell T. Davis, you know, it wasn't in my head. And so he said, Russell T. I said, oh, darling, by the way, you know, your wonderful mother. And uh, he said, well, it's wonderful to know that you're interested. I said, sorry? And, and yeah, the same to you. 
And uh, so I said, I, I really don't know. He said, well, where are you going now? I said, actually, I love this, I'm competing with the secret. <laughs> I said, actually, I'm trying to find a theater. So he's in LA, Googling me to this theater in the West End. And he said, I, I'm really happy that you want to do it. And I'm really happy you're back from Australia because it saves us a lot of money. I said, I still don't know what you're talking about. He said, we want you to come back as Joe. I said, are you kidding? What, are they letting her out of the home or something? <laughs> <laughs> as Matron said, oh, let Joe go out for a minute. Let Joe go out and play. So um, anyway, the outcome was that uh, I read the script. I thought it was absolutely stunning. It was so Joe, and I loved Matt Smith. Well, he loved you. I've actually got a quote here from Matt when he was asked about what it was like to work with you and he said working with Katie Manning has been wonderful she's a lovely person mad as a box of fish but absolute dynamite mad as a box of fish have you worked with Matt <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the most lovely young men he's creative he's generous um, because it was one scene we had to do that was quite emotional but at the same time you have to remember that it's, a, it's for children basically so you don't want to have a great big sobby scene um, and Matt said to me just do it the way you want to do it I'll go with you all the way and he did it was absolutely lovely and then Liz and I <laughs> we're doing the scene and we're running across this sort of yet again looking like a real as we remember the locations in our day and I looked at him and I said what's it like running across a planet with an old pensioner <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely we had a and Liz and I when we when we fell into that coffin <laughs> Russell T said he wished he could have shown it all we were crying with laughter I mean because I didn't land the way that you saw it Let's put it this way, we had to open the lid and rearrange us because <laughs> I was actually lying on top of her. Okay. And we are looking into each other's faces and we are helpless with laughter. It was I'm not surprised. <laughs> and then, uh, now then you had uh, another input into Doctor Who in the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Is that true? What was that? That was where they did, the, uh, Peter Davison wrote his own spoof of the Doctor Who picture. You know, I hardly remember that, I feel awful about it. I was so ill that day. I was doing a convention and I had been really ill and I had a cracked pelvis. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember. I was on the stage doing a play, playing a murderess again. Um, <laughs> who knew that Joe, the girl next door, little, <laughs> little Miss Sweetie Pie, um, and I, yes, I, I, I was so ill, I really don't remember it, but I hear it's wonderful. Oh, it is, it uh, is, definitely. And then, of course, you've done writing for theatre, you've done directing, and also performing in theatre, uh, both here and in Australia. And in America. Yeah. Yeah, I lived in America for some years. I went to Australia. I'll tell you why. I didn't go to Australia because I woke up one day and thought, oh yeah, I just think that. Because I was right at the height of my like my West End career. And um, I had very premature twins. And they were born, they were less than like a pound of sugar. 
and uh, so they were anyway long story it, it takes a long time and then they got another illness and the doctors said we we really don't know what else we can do because we there were a lot of operations that they were going to have to have later but they they had no immune system due to getting um, whooping coughs and they were in hospital on drips and they'd been in incubators for three months and I was sleeping in the hospital and doing a show in the West End at night which was quite an experience yeah. um, anyway there's a dog sorry I love dogs um, <laughs> and um, so they, they suggested that a warmer climate so I I packed a couple of suitcases and thought I'd just disappear for about six months well it took a lot longer than the rest of history <laughs> and but I did get to play the Opera House and I had my own chat show. I had uh, Simon Pegg on it. I had um, I had um, Basil Brush. Um, I had uh, Robson Green. Yeah. Um, I had Petula Clark. Um, I, 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 I had footballers, wives. I had. It was wonderful. And I had a dog on that show. And everybody said, "Why have you got a dog on the show?" I said, "Well, if they don't like me, they'll like the dog." <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to. Thanks once again to John Michael and the team behind the Science of the Time Laws Convention for allowing us to air this interview. Don't forget we serve two further exclusive interviews with Sophie Aldred and Sylvester McCoy to come over the next few weeks, so keep your eyes out for those. So until next time, it's goodbye from me, Phil, and see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you don't want to miss the show, please don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you get time, please also give us a review. You can also listen to our podcast via our website, which you can find at www.whos-he-podcast.co.uk. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Player FM, and TuneIn. If you'd like to leave us some feedback about the show, please visit us on our Twitter account, which is who's underscore he underscore podcast and can also find us on Facebook just looking up the who's he podcast Facebook group. Mm-hmm.